Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. This is Rahul Desai here. Um, I'm a film critic for Film Companion. Uh, I have with me my friend and uh, the Mint film critic uh, Uday Bhatia. Uh, both of us are going to be discussing um, two films today. Um, one of them is a Hindi film. The other is a very, very big Hollywood film. Uh, we'll start with the Hindi film first. Um, we have an interesting story behind that, which we'll come to while talking about the film. Um, the movie is Samrat Prithviraj, as we know, which was formerly called Prithviraj until the Kanye Sena lost their shit again. And uh, they had to change the title. We saw this happen with Padmavat as well. Um, Samrat Prithviraj, of course, stars who else but Akshay Kumar. This was like three or four years in the making. Directed by Chandra Prakash Vivedi, as the title says, it's a, it's a biopic uh, it's a historical biopic of uh, uh, a 12th century um, Rajput king uh, called Prithvira Chauhan. And um, that's pretty much it. It's based on, it's, it's, it's based on uh, uh, um, uh, an epic poem called Prithvira Raso, which is a Braj language poem uh, about his life. And, you know, as, as it stars Akshay and uh, as we know it, uh, it, it's going to, it, it's a very complimentary poem towards the king and uh, it's, none of us have obviously, apparently the poem has 12,000 verses, which we are shocked to find out. Uh, quite something that they decided to adapt that and make it into uh, a very, very um, uh, saffronized film of sorts. Uh, we So the, the film is about the life of uh, Prithviraj and his marriage to Sayongita, who is the princess of a rival ruler and uh, uh, and as well as his conflict with Mohammad Ghori, uh, who was uh, an Afghan king. Uday, um, um, would you like to maybe tell the listeners about how we got uh, uh, about reviewing this film? And, uh, uh, and you know, if like, uh, basically, if you were sort of, uh, I mean, how aware you were of... Uh, the the history behind the film and uh, the making of it because it's been in the news for the last three or four years uh, i only found out like while I, I think while watching a few interviews before the film that uh, you know it was supposed to release two years ago but uh, obviously the time is never wrong to release an akshay kumar film uh, oh wow i i didn't know that till now yeah <laughs> I, I thought hmm. it was meant to release right now yeah uh, so it's a pandemic delayed film i guess uh, but uh, yeah, I I mean I I, I had vague recollections of of uh, Prithviraj from uh, from my school days, but uh, I I didn't uh, remember any of the details, of course. And uh, knowing what uh, Hindi historical films are like, I looked it up a little bit um, uh, before. We went, yeah. uh, uh, as you know, uh, uh, because I couldn't trust what the film was going to tell us. And that, of course, worked out well, considering that the film kind of, uh, it plays fast and loose with history, uh, which we'll get to. But uh, it's always to to serve a certain purpose. With more than a dramatic need, it's like to kind of fulfill its ideology. It, it, it adjusts facts in, uh, uh, conveniently. But yeah, uh, the the uh, I think uh, what was nice was that uh, we uh, all saw a film together after a long time. We meaning uh, you, me, and uh, Paulumi uh, were all uh, in Goa, 
and uh, we uh, finally i think after uh, a very long time the three of us managed to see a film together and uh, then review it in quick time so that we could get back to you know more enjoyable things to do on a friday than watch akshay kumar <laughs> uh, yeah it's uh, i mean it 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 was a um, we've all become so accustomed now to these hindi historical films and the kind of uh, a very right leaning um slant that they put on history that uh, it's kind of i mean i i had written that i felt like i'm sort of writing the same review again and again uh mm-hmm. with just changing the century and the name of the ruler and uh, i'm sure like if i uh, put sentences from like panipat or padmavat into this mm-hmm. review uh it wouldn't change much just replace a maratha with a rajput and so on yeah. and you'd get pretty much the same uh, half the same review i would say yeah absolutely and for those of you you know who are wondering about the historical hindi biopics and how they sort of reengineer or revise history to sort of suit the current uh, uh, a very problematic sort of right wing climate in the country you might also want to read oday's very very well written cover story a couple of months ago i think you wrote uh, for mint about the hindi um, about the hindi historical biopics and the political leanings of them and how the modern sort of uh, historical is basically <clears throat> sort of an excuse to peddle a lot of uh, very uncomfortable uh, you know sort of uh, ideologies in this current climate so <clears throat> yeah for those of you who are interested in going in depth into why uh, a biopic like say prithviraj um, is is such a non starter for people like us to begin with already like you know a lot of its craft a lot of its uh, uh, you know a lot it had like one battle sequence a lot of its dialogue a, li- a lot of its writing is anyways fairly mediocre in fact less than mediocre uh, so but most of that comes secondary to you know the sort of <clears throat> integrity of the film itself and uh, uh, and yeah as as uday said you know it's it's becoming a little repetitive because uh, for those of us who do review hindi films uh, week in and week out uh, these biopics are mostly very large scale big budgeted films so it's difficult to avoid them uh, it's not <clears throat> the theatrical releases and towards the fag end of a pandemic uh, and we do end up watching and reviewing most of them but yeah i do find lines being repeated myself as a reviewer as well Uh, in a lot of these reviews uh, the only difference is the makers may be different but you know <clears throat> the actors are more or less the same in all uh, across all the biopics and uh, one thing about prithviraj is it made me sort of uh, appreciate a little more at least bansali's oeuvre in the last 10 years where he's made like three or four historical biopics even yeah. though you know he has the same problematic leanings i feel like you know the sort of politics in bansali's film still manages to come secondary to the scale he mounts them on and he's known for a certain thing and he knows he's known for it uh, which is why his films are so uh, at least rich cinematically if if not like you know because of course he has a problem writing he has a problem uh, uh, you know constructing uh, a story or adapting it uh, which he did with padmavat as well which was my least pa- uh, favorite of his films recently uh, but it did make me appreciate sort of his vision and his sort of canvas because a film like prithviraj is the worst case scenario of a bansali film like it is literally one of the worst written films i've you know sort of come across in recent memory akshay kumar looked like he was just doing an extension of that anti smoking 
sanitary napkin ad that comes at the beginning of uh, every film uh, the disclaimer and he just looked like he was doing an extension of that in this because he is here a feminist king so he spends most of the film uh, really spouting sort of lot of uh, <clears throat> sermons and lectures about how women should be respected in the 12th century we are talking about here and how hinduism is all about uh, respecting women and uh, how they should be equals uh, and that's pretty much the sort of smoke screen they used to cover the very saffron uh sort of outlook of the film and you know of course there's a lot of saffron in the film I'm not just talking about the holy song that uses only one kind of color it is just the it is the costume throughout the film it is the turbans people wear and it, you know there's not to say that none of this used to exist but the sort of the hammer that they used to sort of uh, uh put this across in 2022 when they know very well that you know the current uh, sort of uh, political a uh, party ruling the country is very much inclined towards it so they get a lot of tax free uh, uh, sort of runs in a lot of states um, it just it just feels like it's less of a film and much more of sort of a cult and a business and and with film with film, with a film like this where even the direction the filmmaking is you know far very very subpar uh, it becomes more and more obvious and you know apparently the budget was some 20 250 to 300 crores out of which i'm guessing half went to akshay kumar for his acting fee so i don't think it's even economically viable to sort of uh, continue doing these films of course the success of kashmir files which was possibly uh, was unprecedented and you know it it really sort of catered to the hate mongering that's happening uh, across the country uh, but uh, you know it also presented a new economic model in the sense you don't have to have these uh large scale set pieces if you're going to be shameless about something if you're going to shamelessly make films that cater to the uh, the bjp right now or, or to to sort of align with them uh, you don't actually have to spend money all you need is actors saying uh, certain lines that will be inflammatory and that will sort of spur on a lot of hindutva feelings in this country you don't actually need these battle sequences or 12th century story uh, uh to sort of um, mount the same kind of uh, uh yeah. you know the same kind of theories that uh, they do it's and it, there's only one big battle really in the film yeah uh, that which is low for a historical for a recent hindi historicals they at least manage like about two battle scenes at the like at the least i mean bahubali is just like like all of them are battle scenes and in a lot of you know other films there like a bunch of them but at least like two should i i would think would be a minimum for fans of the genre i mean i'm guessing they exist somewhere uh but yeah. Uh, yeah there was only one and it was uh, as as you wrote like quite ridiculous and someone they, it it ends with uh, the turning point is sanjay dat pulling <laughs> the leg of an elephant so that it falls down and dislodges the uh, mohammad ghori who's sitting on it which is like you know it's just mm-hmm. embarrassing uh, and uh, it's a bit sad that sanjay dat has to do all these uh, uncomfortable things considering that in panipat actually i thought he was pretty good i i i liked his character in panipat and i thought it was a uh, i mean there were a lot of uh, stereotypes which he was also embodying but i thought it was a attempt at maybe trying to show a slightly more shaded um uh, a villainous figure uh, mm. and uh, yeah out here he's just ridiculous it's uh, 
I, I, uh, I, the only thing you need to know about Sanjay Dutt's character out here, who's like a, a warrior, like the warrior uh, in Prithviraj's army, that uh, he wears a blindfold on his eyes uh, at all times uh, because he killed a man who twirled his moustaches at Prithviraj. And uh, therefore, he has been ordered to wear a blindfold on his eyes and all, all, all time he can only take that out when he's uh, having sex or in battle. So, um, you know, this is this is the kind of film this is. And uh, and this is the kind of stuff that was probably in the 12,000 stanzas of the poem, which we haven't read. Uh, because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that it's there in poetry. And... Uh, the director out here, Chandra Prakash Devedi, uh, obviously thought that, you know, the, this is something that's going to go over well on film, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. So uh, it's just like the com- the comparison with Bhansali out here, which you made is very apt because at least Bhansali has an idea of what, you know, the poetry of the screen is. Whereas mm, out yes. here, you can't even tell where those 300 crores have gone. Like, uh, besides Akshay Kumar's fee, what do they spend it on? It looks like crap. The battle scenes are crap. Uh, the songs are just really dull. And uh, it it just, it's, um, it, it, we don't even have like a fun perverted villain like Saif and Tanaji or um, uh, Ranveer Singh in, in Padmavat. So there's even that little bit of fun uh, is is kind of gone and we just have uh, these people lecturing us about uh, uh, women's equality and then they go and jump in the fire in the end uh, which was amazing like uh, I, I, I uh, it's just like you, you get like two hours of lectures about how uh, men and women are equal and that she's going to rule on the throne and then it's like yay Johar and like there's a nice song so it, it just I mean it's just uh, quite a misfire from start to end yeah totally and you know we sort of live in a sort of post Rajamuli universe so you know these things appear even uh, they appear more like a saw thumb when you see them on the big screen because we just watch RRR and you know we, <clears throat> we we just watched a bunch of we just watched a bansali film this year as well uh, even though it wasn't technically like a sort of a war historical or anything but uh, yeah i mean as, as you said it's just bizarre we don't know where the money is gone and that is probably the most uh, annoying thing about these films like if you're going to be shameless about your ideology about your political leanings and uh, about all of this then you may as well at least make the film look good like if the, that's the least it, especially if you choose the language of scale uh, you know if you make a Kashmir files obviously it's going to be dialogue heavy mostly it's going to be a lot of sort of uh, Hindus telling each other that Muslims are not good in many ways but uh, but in films like this you know it's better to have a prettier smoke screen which 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 you know at the VFX was terrible in this film like even Uday mentioned uh, some of the horse riding sequences in uh, whether it's in war or not it was just like I, I mean I thought I know we were in Goa while watching the film but I had to wonder about how sober I was when I was watching those sequences because it felt like uh, like a like a face was being photoshopped onto uh, a body and there was no and the green screen was almost like you could almost feel it so uh, it just was so tackily done and you know Chandrapakash Vidwedi has made uh, a bunch of films uh, uh, earlier but nothing of this scale you know he, he's made 
Mola Asi was his last film. I remember him making Z Plus in 2014. These were all, you know, Pinjar. I think before Pinjar also, yeah, Pinjar also, which was, and these were all very different sort of, uh, you know, uh, sized films. Like these, these were not the Akshay Kumar sort of historical, the Akshay Kumar film basically. And mm-hmm. it's so obvious that Yashraj has tried to sort of jump onto the saffron bandwagon here, and this was the only production house that was more or less sort of had resisted this. But I'm guessing, uh, the, you know, they're in deep shit if they plan if they if this is what they chose to make money because they know it's a sort of a it's sort of a gold mine right now. You know, anyone uh, sort of making these kind of films are, are going to earn crores at the box office. That's what they think is the Kashmir file formula now. So you'd have to think that Yashad is in trouble if they're going to be bankrolling these kind of films because. And I saw like a couple of articles being written how the production I was known for love is uh, finally catering to hate, and even they could not resist. Uh, uh sort of uh, being almost the last sort of defense between complete domination of of sort of right wing bollywood so uh you know it wasn't surprising for me because yashraj has been getting plenty of stuff wrong over the last couple of years we just uh, talked about um, jayesh bhai jodar a couple of weeks ago um it did feel like Jay- this was also jayesh bhai jodar but in the 12th century in a way uh and yeah of course that sati sequence that uh, uday talked about towards the end uh i think karma utsav agap by then and uh, i will remember watching the film only because as uday said it was i think three of us watching together after a long time we used to watch a lot of fresh shows together in bombay uh, before the pandemic then you know polymy moved away uday moved away and uh, it's strange that we managed to watch a film in goa Uh, sort of really drive half an hour to the to the only mall apparently in goa watch the <laughs> morning show along the tears in the gay road Uh, along the years in the gay road too which was a nice little uh, we got something out of the drive uh, and uh, we we made sort of quick work out of it so yeah so it's an all for the experience but not so much for the film uh, i don't think it uh, merits more discussion because it's really not that kind of film uh, or it's not even inciting the kind of reactions the filmmakers hoped it would you know like if i feel like even the hindutva trolls on twitter and social media are a little jaded and tired by now and they don't know how really to defend a film like this which looks terrible even though it says the kind of things they want to say so it's not even like a lot of reviewers who have reviewed it negatively or people who are writing you know a critical stuff about the film are getting told it's nothing like that it's not uh, it's it's a complete non starter i've been following it box office collection just to get an idea of how these films are economically viable i'm sure uh, one of the streaming platforms have bought it so they will never go into loss but you know when you star akshay kumar and you pay him more than 100 crores for every film you're already starting at a loss so you know for i, I doubt any of these films can make massive profits anymore because a lot of collections do not show profits they just show the final collections and that's very deceptive obviously because the budget is very high of such films so we will keep an eye out for how the, this film does over the uh, over this next week because uh, because june is chock a block with a bunch of theatrical releases after this um we should move on to the next film now which we definitely have been looking forward to talking about uh, i you know i was discussing it with uday a couple of weeks ago um we were not going to obviously do a podcast in goa though we did sort of consider it at one point but uh the film in question is top gun maverick it is a tom cruise film um released a couple of weeks ago in theaters across the world and uh, it's, uh, it's as we know it's the sequel to top gun which released in 1986 um 
Tom Cruise returns as uh, Maverick, who's Captain Pete Mitchell, uh, who's a U.S. Navy test pilot, and he is an instructor in this film. Who le- and he leads an impossible mission uh, to an unnamed country with some massive uh, sort of <clears throat> a massive thirty-minute sort of climax, air climax, which was which was quite an experience to watch. I watched it uh, in a press screening in Bombay. I watched it on an IMAX screen, so that was fortunate. Uh, and it was one of the better experiences I've had in a theater in the last year or so. Uh, Uday, before we start, like Tom Cruise, what's your? We did a two-hour uh, time to plug the two-hour podcast we did about Tom Hanks, both our favorite actors. But uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a little weird for me uh, with with Tom Cruise. He was never the guy for me uh, through all the time. I mean, obviously, if you watch uh, movies in any way, uh, you will end up watching most Tom Cruise movies. So, I mean, uh, but I never really felt, um, uh, I, I don't know, it never, he never really touched me as an actor. And somehow that's uh, started changing after, I think it was Ghost Protocol where it started changing for me. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that was, I don't know, something just shifted. And I think it shifted even in the way the public saw Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like before that, he was kind of the guy who did that, uh, you know, uh, the, the Oprah episode and everyone was yeah. making fun of him. And there was the whole you know, Scientology thing. And and Tom Cruise wasn't this, like, right now he's become this object of reverence. Uh, But it wasn't that way not that long ago. People forget that. I think the change kind of came along, uh, you know, somewhere maybe around Ghost Protocol and then definitely Rogue Nation, which is Mm. certainly my favorite uh, 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 Mission Impossible uh, and uh, it's, um, I, I think that's where things sort of started turning. And this idea of Tom Hanks as like a savior of, uh, of big screen cinema, that, um, yeah, that, that, that sort of uh, uh, image uh, started being built. And that is quite, uh, I don't think anyone could have predicted that that is the way it would have gone. Like you could, you'd imagine that he would just cash in like everyone else and like do these uh, really bad action films on Netflix or something like that. And uh, instead, he is uh, kind of made it his mission uh, mm. to promote these uh, big action films and ones which are, I mean, uh, in which he's, uh, and the idea of him doing his stunts has now become, uh, you know, it's become his calling card. He probably did them uh, through his career like that, but it it's become a thing now. And it's just now, like, you know, like maybe other actors do it, but we don't associate that with them in, in, in Hollywood. We only associate it with Tom Cruise, which is... Uh, which is quite something. It's become like a kind of bond between him and the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, uh, very well said. Uh, I, you know, that's exactly um, what I was hoping to talk about right now. Because Tom Cruise, uh, for those of you wondering, you know, he's 59 years old now. So he's been around like 
1986 is you know for context the year i was born and that's when the first top gun came out and it sort of uh became this iconic uh, you know uh, action film over the next decade or so it didn't do too well when it came out like most uh, films that gain cult status over the years so the thing is about tom cruise is of course he's 59 and most of us like you know say someone like uday also as he mentioned and me have warmed up to him in the last decade like in his 50s um and you know as as you said you know he could have easily sort of it's become a sentimental thing now because i feel like we are also getting a little older and we are seeing uh, the marvels and the dc sort of hijack this space that we once were so sort of uh, invested in like the action film space in general uh, yeah. or the you know the big scale sort of um, sort of budget thing uh, uh, you know these we've seen it sort of change of the landscape absolutely change in the last 10 years like we didn't expect uh, 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 and especially with the advent of streaming and a bunch of shows coming out it's become it's become a monopoly and and somehow without with tom cruise just sticking to his guns and not really i don't think he even planned to do this like this was anyway something i guess he had decided to do like keep this big screen purism alive for as long as he can i think he was anyways going to do this like i i think he had a bunch of flops in the late 2000s or in the early 2010s and uh, once he started getting back to the mission impossible to his two franchise mission yeah. impossible franchise and now the top gun franchise it has just exploded like and you, as you said ghost protocol was a turning point even for me emotionally because i was like you know i've never really looked at this actor seriously for all my life and uh, of course we've all seen jerry maguire and we've seen a bunch of i used to love cocktail as a child for some reason <laughs> because it used to be such a, yeah, yeah. Be such a different sort of uh, sort of uh, different sort of experience compared to a lot of other big star films we used to watch so cocktail i used to like i watched it at least 10 times and but it never used same, to occur to me same. that it was yeah it never used to occur to me that it was like sort of it's tom cruise is a chocolate boy okay he can smile he can be charming and it's pretty much the same thing he used to do through the 80s and 90s and once mission impossible took off in 96 i think the first film came out uh you know i think he got a taste of blood and that blood has sort of endured over the last two and a half uh, to three decades and and simply by doing what he's doing he's already without knowing it sort of uh almost the last um, sort of literally the last action hero that we speak of or the last superstar for that matter because i've been reading a lot of material lately about how if we if it's ever possible to have a superstar like tom cruise again the same way if it's possible to have a superstar like say sharuk again in bollywood tom mm-hmm. cruise globally uh if if it's even possible with the advent of the kind of cinema i was talking about with the marvel and the dc and the superheroes taking over uh tom cruise is literally the last bastion like he's he's there and and he's been doing it and as you said the doing his own stunt is a calling card but none of these films are mediocre like he's not churning them out on on some uh, you know he he's not phoning it in either like he's just um, the kind of vision that he's been backing and it's obviously so it's almost like he's an actor version of like nolan's purism with the big screen as a director like he just wants to maintain that kind of sort of hold over the cinematic medium uh, i feel like tom cruise is doing it in his own little dumb down way on the side and and i feel like uh, top gun the latest film uh, maverick was sort of almost a pinnacle of what we see tom cruise has come to represent because uh, you know a, a lot of me a lot of people like us i think in our 30s late 30s 
are now starting to see the merit of needing someone like Tom Cruise. I'm not saying like, and that's why I love this film because it's such a nice little meta uh, sort of tie into you know Tom Cruise's own career, his own legacy. Because as we know, in this film, it's also the Maverick who comes back after you know after a long time as an instructor. He's written off by everyone, all his bosses, all his sort of all the colonels have gone ahead. He's still a yeah. sort of captain. And, uh, you know, there the are a bunch of dialogues in the film where they refer to him going to be inst- extinct. But he yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed Harris tells him that uh, right. the, playing the yeah. admiral right at the start, yeah, your, your kind will be extinct in a few years and all. Yeah, I mean, he may as well have been telling that to Tom Cruise. And, and you know, he may as well, uh, all of us may have been telling that to Tom Cruise over the years. And that's what I really... Uh, and I love that that little meta thing sort of adds to the film because we know that it's not just Maverick sort of doing his thing in the film and showing the new generation that, okay, look, uh, the, you know, these planes can be fly this way and I can be a daredevil, but at the same time, I can be absolutely invincible in a very old school way. Uh, it's also Tom Cruise doing the same thing. And I really enjoyed that. And of course, we'll get into the last half an hour about like what a sort of blood rush it felt like watching it like sort of, uh, uh, the aerial battle that we'll get to. But yeah, for me, it was very, very important that someone like Tom Cruise, uh, you know, sort of keeps this flag flying because it's not going to last forever. We've seen the Sylvester Stallones and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers fall by the wayside, but Tom Cruise was much bigger than that. And he he has acted. Like, we may not consider him an actor, but he has something about him that is very sort of almost clean and 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 pure, especially in a year like 2022, that, you know, I do not mind watching for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's interesting that you mention uh, uh, clean and pure also, because I would, I, I it's, it's almost like the film has also imbibed those qualities. It's not a particularly brilliant film, but it's just yeah. so focused on the job like it it knows that uh, you know what the end point is uh, it doesn't have a bunch of competing storylines uh, the only thing that you might say is a distraction from the main business of flying is the uh, the Jennifer Connelly romance with uh, the uh, with Maverick uh, uh, she's uh, she plays a, a bar owner uh, on on the base where he is training these pilots uh, these are all Top Gun pilots, including uh, uh, Goose's uh, son, the late Goose's son, uh, who obviously has problems with uh, Maverick because, you know, he was in the plane when his dad died. And also he then, uh, out of concern for the kid, uh, st- stopped him from joining the Navy for a couple of years. So he has a lot of resentment. And that's basically, uh, and uh, Top Gun and Tom Cruise has to tra- train them for this uh, mission, a very vague mission. The mission is almost a red herring. It is so vague. Uh, it's uh, There's some uranium enrich- enrichment plant in an unnamed country, which is violating unnamed international agreements, and therefore they have to go and bomb it uh, and come back before anything happens. And it's like spectacularly vague. There is absolutely no political heft or anything to it. We have no idea whether it's like a terrorist organization or a country or or what. And uh, so it doesn't really, like there are no stakes to that beyond 
a mission getting completed and what is the mission the mission is almost like tom cruise being in these kind of films like mm. can we see that like can 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 we get as much joy out of seeing him do his thing now um maybe like for one last time uh, or a few more last times uh and uh, it's just uh, one thing which kind of occurred to me later not uh, not when i was watching or writing about the film but the only other person who i i think kind of uh created this bond between himself and the audience in terms of like that he'll punish himself for for a film and and uh, and the audience will love him for that is jackie chan that has basically yeah. been the whole point of jackie chan's whole career that he's like uh he's he just keeps pushing himself and mm. the the um, the audience likes it because they know that what they're seeing uh is uh, what actually happened or as close to what happened and uh, you've seen this even in the mission impossible uh films and i i, I don't think we can underrate how important christopher mcquarry has been yeah. for the renaissance of of uh, tom cruise uh, uh he's directed the last two mission impossibles and he'll direct the next two and uh, he also wrote uh, top gun and yeah. uh, there is and and he is uh, he uses practical effects uh, to a large degree which allows tom cruise to uh, do uh, this you know his incredibly dangerous stunts and uh, the audience loves him for that and it's just i it's uh, it's it's very exciting it's it's become like it's 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 truly somehow become an event where where ev- in in every other kind of action film that is an event it is usually uh, comes because it's a franchise because it's star wars mm-hmm. or uh, or marvel or dc or, or or something that you know people already or the fast and the furious films where they have this sort of history of of doing this but they don't go and see a particular actor like you're not going to see a marvel film for chris mm. pratt god forbid or uh, or a dwayne johnson film for him uh, but you will go see a tom cruise film not because it's a particular franchise but you go and see it because of what he's been doing in the last few years yeah it's interesting that also you mentioned dwayne johnson because he's literally i think that's more or less the same thing that he's trying to achieve right by being so he's probably the highest paid uh, star in the world at the moment and he's been like that for a couple of years at least now but uh, you know the kind of action films that he chooses to do are purely dumb like a lot of people may enjoy them because they're like totally dumb but uh, uh, i feel like the kind of cinema that tom cruise does like as you said even though he's doing franchises uh for example mission impossible 4 5 6 or however much he's made in the last 10 years and this second one it does not feel for some reason that he's doing a franchise and because first of all we are of course coming to see the actor and secondly we are just coming to see how far he can push himself they, they may as well have been independent sort of segments uh, independent films of their own because each, each of the mission impossible are now sort of earning money or now being such a big deal not because i feel like it's something that started in 96 that is still going on enduring uh, i feel like it's because uh, they just people are getting a kick out of how tom cruise is sort of schooling uh, the younger generation in how to do action 
how to sort of uh, uh, how to sort of issue uh, visual effects and and you know stay honest to the medium without really uh, you know without really uh, giving into that entire 3d sort of epidemic or or you know uh, using a lot of fancy gimmicky mediums i feel like uh, i would have watched the mission impossible it never once occurs to me that i need to watch the previous mission impossible films to watch the new <laughs> absolutely I couldn't tell you plots of uh, any of the Mission Impossible's, like with with any kind of, uh, yeah. like I couldn't tell you in any detail. I'll re- things which I remember is this one was in Dubai. This one, yeah. this one went to Casablanca. So I remember yeah. the locations, and I and I definitely remember that you know in this he's dangling from the Burj Khalifa. Out here he's doing that amazing opera scene. Out yeah. so those those are the kind of things you remember, like you know the the set pieces and all that. And I think. i mean they are just clever enough to make you feel like you're you're you know you're watching a a film and not a collection of set pieces put together but they don't get much smarter than that the the real draw is really uh, cruise and uh, i mean that's that's quite amazing yeah and they don't take themselves as seriously as say a lot of other like say you know a sci-fi film of the same or like something made by nolan or something made by denny villeneuve or anyone like or it's even, it's all... or even bond now i mean or bond even... suffered at the hands of mission impossible i think because uh, yeah. they tried to go very serious and yeah. people are like fine we'll just watch mission impossible the stunts are better there anyways yeah bond just went the batman way right it became like a brooding uh super agent uh, and it's i i haven't like for someone like me who like religiously watched the bond films till around 2015 i haven't even been interested in sort of catching up with the last few ones and that says a lot like even though it's become this sort of dark universe uh, like a lot of you know the superhero films or uh, the dc superhero films try to do i feel like bond went that way and you're right about you know mission impossible profiting from that because they've stuck to their guns it's just staying the course and that staying the course has now come to mean something else 10 years later uh, from what it meant 10 years earlier like that's the thing if you stay the same and the world keeps changing around you you will start to mean something else without even knowing it like later in life and and that's i guess something of a philosophy that i guess tom cruise and uh, christopher mcquarrie and the entire production teams be- behind both these franchises understand very well uh, and they understand that evolution is not necessarily uh the most the greatest thing for all kinds of arts or mediums uh, at times i guess it's about sort of finding a balance between preserving and and sort of moving forward with the kind of action we see because otherwise how else would have something like mad max fury road become such a cult sort of action film it's because of what it represented like because it wasn't first of all it didn't take part in space or in in the sky or in you know wherever it is it was just a desert film it was yeah. so difficult like I, i mean they made it look he made it look like art of course but it was just such a blood rush there was no plot there was no premise and i think most of i mean the same way i think top gun maverick is a very corny film like if you like some of its premise is absolutely corny i'd say uh, rocky balboa which was the yeah, you know yeah. the did it much better plot wise because it was an it was less of an action film more of a sports boxing biopic and you saw the uh, rocky come back and do the same thing right he became a trainer for his opponent's son uh, yeah. and which is so in creed later uh, and in balboa he goes back one last time to sort of 
uh, you know, as an aging guy to teach like a sort of to do an exhibition match with the new world champion. So this this raging against a dying of light, the little uh, genre that a lot of these action stars embrace, I really sort of find a lot of value to it in these cases. Uh, of course, I said it's probably because of the phase of life we are in as well. And maybe if we were younger, we might not have seen as much merit in it. But I was a big fan of the Rocky franchise. I loved Rocky Balboa and Creed after that, as we both watched that together as well. Uh, uh, and, you know, Tom Cruise does more or does uh, the same role in Top Gun Maverick. He becomes an instructor, but he is uh, doing so much more. I loved uh, the fact that, you know, the, they really dialed it up in the last half an hour because till then you're wondering like okay we've seen this a million times before we've seen you know this guy return estranged uh, sort of written off by everyone come back uh, his old his sort of late best friend son having a conflict with him so i mean it's just the way they went about it like i I, i'm not sure if you've seen this little um promotional video or in the run-up to or top gun or after it released he did with james corden and that's where i saw that Tom Cruise, uh, you know, uh, sort of flies his own planes very well, and uh, and he's sort of doing somersaults in the air in these these fighter jets and different kind of fighter jets. And James Corden is like shitting his pants uh, most of the time, and he and there's a camera in the cockpit. It's some of the funniest shit I've seen, but it also and Tom Cruise is just like, oh yeah, he's he's laughing while driving. So he's crazy, like he's and that's what Corden keeps shouting throughout. You're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy, and that craziness which we saw culminate in say jumping on Oprah's couch at one point of time is now uh, culminating in a very sort of big screen sort of uh, uh, I'm going to stick my guns and uh, stick to my guns and sort of defy the new wave uh, sort of way. And I find that very endearing. And and I guess that's why Top Gun Maverick seems to be working. For a lot of people across the world as well, because it's it's not just nostalgia, right? It's not about the original film because the original film was iconic, but it wasn't some brilliant film either. It, it's about when this particular sequel came and and what it's come to mean, uh, especially because we might not remember the kind of action films that are coming out either side of the, this film. Yeah, so it's in it's also interesting how much nostalgia we are being subjected to in action films now uh, and in so many different ways and it's interesting to see which ones work as well i'm thinking in particular of anything star wars related which is purely a nostalgia nostalgia exercise and has put me off uh, i mean their fans have also put me off and the the fact that they cannot do anything without being nostalgic and just like very uh, crassly using the nostalgia so star, uh, you know i i think star wars is a example of how not to 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 kind of harp on on the on on the memories of people uh spider-man was interesting because when it was happening i thought it was very effectively done i think it's still an effective film but now i feel that it 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 feels very engineered and uh, i mean it was engineered in the sense that it was basically a, a deal between two conglomerate uh, two uh, big companies that allowed it to happen like what is a multiverse except like companies saying that yes we'll share uh, IP, uh, mm. as in, in this case at least. Uh, the so uh, I, I I there was that, and then there was you know Matrix uh, Revolutions uh, late last year, 
which was also a nostalgic but in an interesting way because they made the they question the nostalgia as part of the film also and uh, it became kind of like an investigation of of what is uh, useful in nostalgia and what isn't and uh, top gun i feel is a, is quite a nostalgic film but it it just moves so quickly past it that you know it's you don't get bogged down in it like all the goose uh, uh, scenes like when he's singing like they they do great balls of fire again and it's silly right who who the hell would know the lyrics to great balls of fire today let alone like a bunch of young you know you know millennials and all that why why would they be singing great balls of fire written in the 50s uh, in a bar there is no explanation but it was done in the first film so they're doing it out here but you know by the time it's done you know it's barely like you know half a minute has elapsed and that's it we are just moving on uh, and we are not so it doesn't hit you over the head with it and i think that's possibly why it doesn't feel as cynical as say uh, a star wars does when it when it uses something from its previous editions yeah absolutely good point and and you know it as you said it doesn't look as designed as as you know nostalgia being designed is obviously it's a business these days we see in the cinema do it day in and day out what with the yashrajas and dharma sort of uh, really uh, sort of making a business out of uh, self refreshing their own stuff and then and we are like uh, tvf is known to do it sort of marinate in the 90s and and i can see as you said you know i can see the difference between design nostalgia and uh, and the kind of thing that tom cruise sort of represents and the kind of nostalgia that he constructs uh, and it came to the fore with you know this film particularly and that was a good point about spiderman too because i really like the it's probably the only marvel film i've seen in the last 5 years but i really liked it like the uh, the, the the previous one with the multiverse with all the three spidermans coming back uh, of course i liked it because i was one of i think because uh, we sort of um, you know in 2002 when the first spider man came out uh, you know our coming of age in as as you know movie fans also coincided with uh, the you know the return of the superhero genre in hollywood because till then it was languishing in a bunch of very very corny batman and and you know terrible catwoman movies so uh, yeah. with spider man returning with sam raimi it it was a big deal for a lot of us and 2002 i will never forget only for that film uh, so i guess nostalgia was at play with the kind when i thought they i thought it was uh, you know it was quite nice to sort of have my generation catered to for a change uh, but i could also feel that they were really targeting us and i could feel like uh you know it's very obvious that they are going for more demographics than they usually do because we are the ones cynical about the current superhero sort of scene uh in general and and sort of we mellowed down when we watched that film but that's not going to go on for because the multiverse is obviously a very sort of convenient device to keep this going but again it's it's a very designed uh, almost uh, sort of cleansed uh, sense of nostalgia in these films and uh, as you said you know the tom cruise kind of nostalgia is very different and uh, especially represented by the 1986 film and the way they sort of <clears throat> pay little hat tips in this film to the previous film with iceman returning and sort of really uh, uh, val kilmer sort of playing himself in a way and it, it, it just it felt like a lot of elements came together not just because they were designed but because uh, because of the kind of times we live in and because of uh, 
because it it when i know this term is overused a lot like it's it's almost like a sort of antidote or a soothing balm in these times but uh, uh, something like a top gun maverick came closest to that of course it was a it was a adrenaline rush by the end and it was like good old school high standard action at its best uh, especially aerial battles i love watching planes anyway and that for me it was it it was really felt like we were part of that it was visceral and immersive and and i really liked that and without 3d glasses which i was so impressed about because i hate wearing those glasses i hate yeah. going into any superhero film with those damn glasses and being told to sort of deposit them after that and and it's not like the experience apart from getting a headache it's not like the experience elevates any kind of those films it's almost like an insurance scheme Uh, so with this, I just felt like they stuck their guns, and the IMAX screen really worked in in this case. And I was, I was, uh, yeah. I don't even care if there's going to be a next uh, Top Gun. I don't want there to be one. Even if there is one, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't say it. It would be called a cash grabbing exercise. Then I'd still feel like uh, uh, I I still feel like Tom Cruise doesn't do things. uh uh sort of i'd like to believe that he doesn't do things but because he's a superstar i mean he's he's probably the richest guy in hollywood right now it's not about money after a certain period of time it's not like he's working with the same studio throughout his life he's not working uh, or he's not working the same franchise so uh, of course the mission impossible trailer played before top gun and of course we are excited about it again because you know there's uh, it, it is what it is and 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 it's because uh and it's because we are coming out of a pandemic where sort of theatrical releases have, be- have acquired a new kind of significance compared to say two or three years ago when there was no other alternative and streaming was still sort of limited to shows and uh, television in general i feel like now it, it, it's very different the way we look at theatricals and i feel like tom cruise is at the forefront of that uh, and i kept hearing tales about i kept reading about the making of this film and the latest mission impossible film during the pandemic where tom cruise was losing his shit on set and telling people <laughs> to wear masks and and recording secret recording sort of coming out into the media uh, sort of really putting tom cruise uh, you know like posturing him almost as the savior of big screen cinema before nolan tried to do it with his last film uh, but yeah i mean it was such a largely enjoyable experience and and i didn't even notice like decent actors like miles teller and 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 sort of john ham coming and doing that same sort of thing that he always does and ed harris coming for just a single scene uh, jennifer connelly very dis, you know disposable role in the film but again nobody's complaining and nobody everyone's more than happy to read into this sort of homoerotic action of the film in general and this time with you know miles teller's character so i i mean yeah like all in all like i was very very pleasantly blown away yeah i um, uh, so i i don't really have much uh, feeling for miles teller uh, uh, after whiplash and I, i don't think he's really interested me in anything and uh, in any other film the second lead uh, being like like a charm vacuum might have worked against it but out here it just seems to clear the space a bit for tom cruise to uh, to do his thing and uh, you know he he looks great for 59 uh, let's just remember that akshay kumar in prithviraj uh, he's a 54 year old actor who uh, can't seem to do uh, any stunts without a lot of help from editing and cgi and uh, when he's in close up you can see that you know he does look 54 and uh, 
and tom cruise uh, looks very good for 59 he looks like he's in his 50s for sure but it's like it's it's kind of uh, uh, it's just um, kind of a burnished look almost um, and uh, it's 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 great and he stopped caring that he's short so you see a lot of uh, shots of him uh, standing with the other actors all of whom are taller and uh, he doesn't mind that anymore i think he's just secure uh, about who he is now uh, at some point you just stop uh, uh, bothering yeah that says a lot i was actually surprised with the amount of close ups tight close ups in this film of his face you know like especially in that scene with uh with uh, sort of iceman uh with right. um, yeah with val kilmer basically yeah, uh, yeah. goes to meet him the amount of close ups in that scene and of course as you said very rightly does look like he's in his 50s you can see the wrinkles but very burnished and very and there's there's no running away from it there's no uh, sort of anti aging technology being used and of course akshay kumar was playing like a 26 year old king as a 54 year old actor <laughs> and the dissonance between like the technology being used to try to make him look younger and between his actual age where you could see his chest hair in some of the scenes or his hands in some of the scenes was just awful and that that uh, you know, i guess tom cruise has sort of made peace with the fact that uh, his age is part of his whole charm right now and his age is part of his whole legacy right now if we don't notice that he's old enough to not Uh, he's old enough to like uh, sort of not dare to do these things then you know that's that's half the battle sort of lost and and i really enjoy the fact that we keep noticing his age in every subsequent mission impossible or in 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 a film like this because it 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 really is about that now and it is about how far he can keep going and how much he can keep doing this because after him i really don't see a lot of uh action stars per se uh, not doing like b movies and doing like a list entertainment like this and managing to pull it off without being too clever about it by just being sort of honest about it so it does feel like you know it, it's like nearing the end of an era but like you know with tom cruise and with the amount of films he's been doing or with the pandemic coming in between you feel like it's never really going to uh, at least not for the next few years are we going to see the end of it and they already declared the sort of release date of the next mission impossible which is next june and uh, and this will keep going on and for us it's it's a nice little um, especially for like i feel like critics and and writers of film from our generation it's a nice little uh, portrait in say how your perception of a star of stardom of of acting in general sort of changes over the decades and over a period of time and and how someone you may not have been too fond of in the 80s or 90s has sort of is refusing to age but at the same time as age in the exact perfect manner you hope to see them do especially in this current sort of hollywood scene so i mean in in that sense i feel like top gun had everything going for it and including incredibly silly writing and and it sort of paid off and uh, and, and you know there was just some very solid filmmaking towards the end and i don't think any of us ever had complaints about it. what do you like just before we wrap up with um, with the top gun sort of uh, podcast i i just wanted to ask you what you thought about the little criticism that the top gun has been getting since then which is basically that it's pro military have you ever sort of thought about that while watching these films or writing your reviews because there have been a couple of reviews that have been addressing exactly that that it's sort of 
you know like tested the uh, testosterone pro military uh, and top gun got that criticism back in 86 and now we live in a in a far more woke era than then and and it is coming to the fore again right now but i feel like this time uh, there, there's been uh, we are generally more forgiving towards a film like that why do you think that it is uh i mean i think it helps that it is just as i mentioned earlier so vague about uh, who it's fighting there yeah. is like there is no political edge to the film at all like <laughs> the original film was also vague about the enemy but that was reagan era america so you, you know the the enemies were defined by the times that that film came out in they didn't have mm. to say anything the audience was anyways going to assume that it will be russia or north korea uh and uh, oh, now uh, it's not really clear who the enemy might be enemy in in quotes of course and uh, so yeah so in that sense i think that dilutes the kind of ideological tilt of the film a lot Uh, is it pro military definitely of course it is i mean it's an advertisement for uh, for the navy i i don't see any uh, argument again i don't see any way of arguing against that at all uh, but uh, you know uh, so are a uh, couple of um, marvel films uh, and some of the transformer films and Uh, a lot of the other uh, action films that come here or there uh, captain marvel for example was uh, a, a lot of it was uh, uh, f- you know military sanctioned uh, in collaboration with one of the captain uh, one of the characters is a f- uh, fighter pilot in that they used equipment from them so uh, i i'd rather that they just be like very open about it and say yeah we're making a film about the 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 navy uh, and top gun hmm yeah absolutely as you said you know, some of the marvel films are like almost borderline right wing with their sort of uh, uh, especially with their sort of pro military and pro in general pro technology slants and it is it's not so much of a problem if you look at what the kind of genre it is uh, the kind of medium that it represents i feel like it's it's a bit too overwrought in that sense the, at least the criticism is and, and yeah you're right about it being fairly open about it and being vague about it because i was quite <laughs> i found it very amusing that there was no enemy like the elimination was very conveniently just off the coast of uh, of the us and just a small little island with mountains on it as well and just enough yeah. for uh, it to be a maze for planes to pass through and it was also snowing towards the end so you know it's like geographically climate wise and science wise it does not make sense but it's so much fun uh, because it's an obstacle course and yeah, uh, and that yes, i i half expected them to just reveal in the end that there was no enemy at all and this was just like their new top gun training course in which they <laughs> like find the best of the best because there's like so little stakes that may as well be a training program yeah and we didn't see the face of any of those pilots they were all wearing <laughs> yeah. helmets and they were all sort of very disposable almost like those robots people use in as villains as as henchmen in in a lot of these films it it just felt so 
so cheekily and nicely done like we didn't even need to know the language they were speaking it was just like sort of tom cruise like talking on his radio to his fellow pilots and uh, nothing there was nothing uh, about them and it was there were no names the names were so vague about the cliffs and about the the ocean, uh, uh, you know about the course that they had to go through about the uranium where it was which was great like that's the way to sort of really sort of without dumbing it down but you really sort of uh, uh put into context a lot of say problem because then nobody can really complain about what you're doing or who you're targeting or uh, or or you know who you're sort of really taking uh, taking a dig at and and that i feel is the best kind of american cinema it's not like you know captain america and miss marvel and bunch of things where diversity is coming in and a lot of other things and a lot of it may be changing for the good but a lot of it is just a lot of it is tokenism and it's very refreshing to see uh, say something like that without you know sounding like that uncle on a whatsapp group i just say it is very refreshing to say that uh, uh, to see a tom cruise film in, like this where it really doesn't afford too much importance to information that is really not important to begin with in an action film about uh, planes going berserk in the sky and and you know it's it's great it was all very possible very feasible very plausible in the larger scheme of things the way they went about things and it reminded me of pearl harbor which was another favorite of mine uh, i sort of uh, you know i i i i mean for all the criticism uh, that michael bay gets uh, it was one of my favorite films of, of his Uh, but of course there were enemy names then and there were there was an entire sort of love triangle which is more remnant of a lot of bollywood love triangles uh, but this did remind me of that film but just a cleaner tighter cooler version of it and and all stripped of off its fat and its romanticism and stripped of a lot of sentimentality it was nice it was it was just a good experience i would like you know for the record when uday and me went to watch prithviraj at uh, at the theater in goa uh, there was also a top gun show going to start around the same time and we really had half a mind of going in to watch it on the big screen again because this this cannot be watched anywhere else and when it comes on streaming i will not care about it but just as long as it's there and you know it it felt sort of tragic that we were just like say a couple of feet away we could have really had one of our better theater experiences in in goa but then we were watching prithviraj but yeah that it is what it is and i'm glad we got to discuss both sides of the spectrum and both films and uh, i would implore any of you to catch top gun if it's if it's still going on in theaters i think it still will for a while because these films do really well in india uh, and i wouldn't recommend the same about prithviraj um would there anything else to add or uh, are we more or less done No, 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 not much. Uh, go, go see Top Gun, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again when Mission Impossible comes out because that is like by far <laughs> my favorite franchise running nowadays. It's yeah, really the only franchise I care about now. So uh, yeah, we we should talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think we watched. I think one of our first screenings uh, when you came to Bombay in two thousand and fifteen. I think when you yeah, moved yeah. was a Mission Impossible screening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogue Nation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that. So I guess yeah. I mean, we should definitely. Yeah, we should definitely be watching these. Uh, uh, I think the next ten Mission Impossible's and discussing them. And uh, yeah, so for those of you listening, thank you. And we will be back soon, maybe discussing uh, another interesting film or series, depending on what Uday and me catch. Uh, till then, do write into us if you have any suggestions. Bhatia dot udia gmail dot com, Rahul no less at gmail dot com. And thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon.